Home by Warson Shire. No one leaves home unless home is the mouth of a shark. You only run for the border when you see the whole city running as well. Your neighbors running faster than you, the boy you went to school with who kissed you dizzy behind the old tin factory is holding a gun bigger than his body. You only leave home when home won't let you stay. For now, forget about pride. Your survival is more important. I want to go home, but home is the mouth of a shark. Home is the barrel of the gun, and no one would leave home unless home chased you to the shore, unless home tells you to leave what you could not behind, even if it was human. No one leaves home until home is a damp voice in your ear saying, leave, run now. Happy New Year. <laughs> this is not the happiest New Year text we could have in front of us. This is a Sunday, the Christmas one, that many preachers choose to ignore. I could have chosen a different text. This is also Name of Jesus Sunday, so you can just talk about why Jesus got named Jesus. That's lovely. That's fun. That feels appropriate. No offense, Matthew, but your gospel today is kind of a downer, right, to start the year. And I get the urge to preach something else, anything else than this text. It is easier to make this Sunday New Year, New You Sunday, right? Or choose the Epiphany text because Epiphany is Friday and who doesn't love the Magi, right? It would be nicer. We could stay in that manger scene just a little bit longer. But here's the thing. I will never ignore preaching this gospel. I think ignoring it is dangerous. People get hurt when we pretend this exact thing, this exact story is not happening all the time, even today. And it's very important for us to think theologically, instead of just politically or philosophically or morally, about some topics that many would rather leave out of church altogether. Today's gospel story is not easy. It is hard to hear. It is sad and violent, and if we take time to really think about what it's saying, it's horrifying. And yet, somehow, no matter what year it is, no matter what's happening in the world, it always feels startlingly relevant. On the heels of Christmas, when everything is all joy and light, this story is a shock of contrast. All through the past weeks of Advent, as we've prepared for Christmas, we heard these beautiful yeses from every character of the story. Mary says yes to growing and birthing and nursing the baby Savior. Joseph says yes to marrying Mary, losing his upright standing. The shepherds say yes to going to see and welcome the new king. And by this moment in the story that is in front of us today, the wise men had also said yes to following a star to see what it means. But Herod, 
Well, he hears of this new king and he offers a quick and very harsh no. Herod's instinct to preserve his power kicks in very quickly. It would be easier really to just say Herod's an evil madman. And, you know, he kind of is. But also he was just a powerful person who wanted to stay in power. He ruled through bullying and intimidation, and his rule ensured prosperity and made the rich richer, and honestly, he had kind of a lot of fans. In the part of the story that was told just before this in Matthew's gospel, the three wise men stopped by the castle on their way to find Jesus, because That's where you'd expect a new king to arrive, after all. And when they get there, they tell Herod all about the star and the prophecies and what they will expect, and Herod, of course, handles it real well. The prophecies say this new king will rule the world, the Magi tell him. This new king will change everything for the people of God. If you are the powerful leader of the current occupying forces, this is not good news. Who it is good news for is the people who are being adversely affected by the regime of Herod, but definitely not good news if you are Herod. And he knows it. It's not good news if you are in the system that Herod is ruling and you are being benefited from it. And they know it. So Herod acts, and he acts as anyone afraid of losing power acts. Now his way of dealing with this threat to power is violent and awful. He orders every male child under the age of two to be killed. He eliminates the risk, all potential risk, done. It is horrifying. It is not merry, it is not peaceful, it is not joyful. But he does not succeed in killing Jesus. Joseph had said one more yes, and he moved his family to another country. They took Jesus at night and fled across a border. Knowing what was about to happen as it was told to him in a dream, Joseph took Mary and Jesus, and they fled to Egypt. I have said this before, I will say it every time this text comes in front of us. Jesus, the Son of God, was a refugee. He was a migrant. He was an illegal immigrant. I don't think we like to think about this. I think it makes most of us pretty uncomfortable, really. We like to think of the birth of Jesus like the warm, happy, glowing Christmas card image. Peace on earth, goodwill towards all. But in reality, when Christ comes into the world, he is run out of his home because of violence and hatred. It is a quick transition from the soft glow of Christmas Eve to the stark reality of violence and power in the world. Now, I know that any time I say the phrase, Jesus was a refugee, somebody's like, no, no, he was in Bethlehem's in Israel. He was born in his home country, Pastor Natalia. That means he was born in his country of origin, just a different town, so he's not a refugee. And it's true, he was not born a refugee. Most people are not born refugees. But he fled across a border. You can only make the argument that he is not a refugee 
If you skip this part of the story, which many people do, the Magi are much more pleasant to focus on. This part of the story, Jesus and his family flee to another country so that he is not killed. Saying it isn't true does not negate the scripture that is in front of us today. And it matters that Jesus was a refugee. It matters. It matters that refugees hear themselves in, hear themselves in this story, that migrants hear their story in the story of God. It matters that those who housed and helped Jesus and his family also hear themselves in this story. Because while most of us, I hope all of us, will never have to flee our homes for the sake of safety, we will all most likely have the opportunity to be on the other side of this story. I think especially in this time of year, most of us know what it means to take people in. Right? We host family and friends for holiday gatherings and meals and time together. Maybe we are on the other side, we have the experience of being hosted. It is a humbling thing to rely on the care of others for food and shelter, even when it's family, even when it's expected. But to host a stranger, to welcome someone who you don't know and also didn't know was coming, to be the one welcomed in. Some of you might remember last year, my family's flight home from our spring break in Florida. Not quite the same thing, just stick with me though. Our flight was canceled. We were stuck in Florida in spring break time, which means there was no hotel available for us. We couldn't find a place to stay. And Pastor Chad's mom, Judy, who, Judy, if you're watching, still our favorite. Uh, took us in at the last minute because all everything was full. There was no place for us. It was so humbling. We did not have a choice. The Turfas did not have a choice in our lack of options, but Judy sure had a choice about hosting us. She sure did. She could have said no. She could have said it would have ruined her plans. She didn't have enough food. She wasn't prepared. She had a choice. Like some of you, I opened up my news app on my phone after Christmas and saw this headline. Busloads of immigrants from Texas dropped off at the vice president's DC home on Christmas Eve. Anybody else see that headline? Yeah, it, it was, was rough, it was rough. Some of them were in shorts, t-shirts, unprepared for the below freezing temperatures of the Northeast. No matter what you believe about immigration law, policies, or procedures, I hope we can all agree that that action was inhumane. Using people for political points is awful, no matter what your political party is. If you kept reading past that headline, you might have read this beautiful little end note. Do you know who picked them up and offered them shelter? It was a local church, you guys, a local church. Look, at I, I can't even handle this story, it just kills me. On Christmas Eve, a local church, I bet, oh, do I bet those church members had other plans that night. Don't you think they did? I bet they were greatly interrupted. 
While those migrants did not have a choice in how and where they arrived, the church who hosted them did. I also bet that the Christmas Eve they experienced was a more true version of the Christmas story than us holding candles in this room. Are you kidding? Cancel Christmas to host illegal immigrants? The audacity. The audacity. Now you might be thinking, wow, Pastor Tully, this is getting kind of political. I did not come to church for this. I don't come to church for this. I can hear the arguments being typed out right now. Tell me how Jesus and his family having to flee across a border to a new country to escape a dictator intent on staying in power is not political. Tell me. I await the argument. Of course it's political. The gospel is political because people are political. And the gospel is about people. This story is not something that just happened once way back in Matthew's second chapter. This story is still relevant because it keeps happening. All across the world, this is happening. In Ukraine, Ukrainians are about to mark the somber one-year anniversary of being attacked by Russian forces in order to keep a dictator in power. Many of them have fled without the correct paperwork, to neighboring countries for safe harbor. In Iran, women are taking great risks to fight for the right to choose for themselves to wear a head cover or not. And the government is cracking down against them. Some of them have fled to neighboring countries without correct paperwork for safety in order that they might survive. In Central America, economic instability and government corruption has led to an influx of immigrants to the southern border of the United States. People are escaping without correct paperwork to the neighboring countries for safety. As one migrant on the Texas border said, if we were doing well, there would be no need to migrate. If we could feed our children, why would we leave? He said, migrate, we might say flee. No one leaves home unless home is the mouth of a shark. When Mary first felt Jesus move in her womb, way back when she visited her cousin Elizabeth, she sang this song we call the Magnificat. She sang of Jesus, the baby in her womb, being the one who will topple tyrants and raise up the humble. And here we are, Jesus is still a baby and it has begun. This isn't something that happened once and we remember it on this day. This is something that is happening all the time, and we need to be able to see Jesus in the face of each and every person fleeing violence by escaping to another country. We cannot set up nativities one week without continuing the story in the next. The Holy Family is still holy when they leave the manger and flee to Egypt. And more importantly, I think for us here today, holy families are everywhere. Your family is holy. My family is holy. The family who crossed the border last night is holy. We have a choice in how we take care of them. 
we can offer them refuge. We can work to make their homes safe enough for them to return. You see, God isn't just with the refugee, with the migrant, with those fleeing for safety. God is the refugee. God is the immigrant. God is fleeing for safety. If we want to be where God is, then it seems very clear what we are called to do. So yes, this gospel is political. When love comes up against power, it will always feel political. And that can be hard for us when we want to stay at the calm and quiet manger scene forever. But the news that makes us step out of those comfort zones and host those looking for shelter is unbelievably good news if you are on the run. We have heard that God comes for us. God is with us. And now we get to be that same good news for those who need it most. Not the good news that Jesus loves you, but I love you. That is very different. Here is how we show our love. That love has come and we get to do it too. The love we have received on Christmas Eve becomes the love we give every day. And that kind of love will always, always win. And that is the good news. Amen. So on this first Sunday of Christmas, we are reminded that love has come, we have been fed, and now we are sent to go be that kind of gracious, welcoming, hosting love to all those we encounter. So may we go in peace to love and serve the Lord.